0: Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church Podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today.
1: We're just so grateful that you are able to join us online today. In fact, I couldn't be more proud of our church more proud of the way that you have stepped up in this season, the way you have been generous in our city and beyond the way that you're serving people and meeting needs of, of people in our community, feeding people, just loving on people in our city. In fact, it hasn't gone unnoticed. Uh, the executive director of ARC, the Association of Related Churches, which is our church planting organization, has even recognized our efforts here in our community. And he has a special word for you. Check this out.
0: What's happening? Elevate Church, Dino Rizzo here with ARC. And I just want to say thank you so much. And I love your pastors. Pastors Kobe and, and Kristen are the real deal. They love God. They love people. And you've been loving people. I mean, all that you've done, all the meals that you've been distributing. I mean, come on, a pancake, drive-through, drive-up. Why am I not a part of that? And then everything that you're doing to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I know right around the corner, you have an opportunity to partner with Convoy Hope. You're doing that and give out all those meals, all of them for the cause of Christ. It's an amazing thing when we come together and we decide it's not about me, it's about him and it's about them. And a lot of people are going through things right now. A lot of people are fearful. A lot of things happening during this pandemic, but you're being the church. You're being the hands and feet of Jesus. It doesn't happen without people that are willing to serve, get out there and serve, pass out, love on people, and through generosity. So can I just say thank you so much for being faithful in your tithe and faithful in your offering. It's an amazing thing when you and I put God first uh, because we realize it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so I just want to thank you for being faithful and to, to let your generosity bring eternal transformation in other people's lives. So God bless you. Thank you so much for just representing the heart of God. We love you so much.
1: Isn't that great, church? Thank you so much for the way that you continue to be generous and give your financial ties and offerings to God's house because we're able to make a difference like we are in our community. And if you haven't yet, I would encourage you to set up online giving and just continue to fuel the vision and the mission of this house to reach people who are far from God. And we're doing everything that we can in this season to meet some basic needs of people. In fact, I just got word too that as you guys are gathering together in your watch party, there's a group of people right now outside of our church building in the parking lot gathering together. So just let me give you guys a shout out and say, hey, thank you for gathering in community and continuing to, to pour into the mission and the vision of this house. Today we're kicking off a new series called Better on the Other Side because I don't know if you're anything like me, I'm just tired of all the negativity, I'm tired of of, of kind of what this season has become, I'm tired of some of the habits and things that I've formed in my life and I just wanna get better on the other side of this. It was Aristotle who said, you are what you repeatedly do. In other words, the habits that you have in your life, the result or the outcome of those habits is what your life ultimately becomes. So whatever it is that you do over and over and over again is what you end up becoming. You don't really become what you hope to become because hope isn't a plan. Hope isn't a strategy. You don't even really become what you plan to become, although planning is good and necessary. You become that which you do, not what you think about. Not what you talk about, not what you dream about, not what you post that you're gonna do online about, but, but you actually become what you, what you do. You are repeatedly, you repeatedly do over and over. You're the result of your habits. And in this season of lockdown, I don't know about you, but over the last nine weeks, we have formed some new habits, have we not? Maybe good, maybe bad. I think a lot of times when we think about habits, we immediately go to those negative habits that we formed in our life, those things that we don't really like about ourselves, like, yeah, you know, I need to break that habit of overeating, or I need to break that habit of, of smoking, I need to break that habit of, of drinking, you know. Uh, you fill in the blank, whatever it is for you. But that habit, that hang up, that you're like, I wish I, I could stop doing that. I don't like that about me, but I continue to do it over and over and over. You know what I'm talking about? In fact, right now, everyone just post in the comment section online what your bad habit is that you need to break. No, I'm just kidding. You don't have to do that. But whenever Kristen uh, was pregnant, my my wife with our firstborn, Wade, uh, about 15 years ago, I picked up a really bad habit. And that habit was whenever she ate, I would eat whether I needed to or not. And I would always eat more than she ate, whether I was hungry or not. So I became what I repeatedly did. And this is true in every area of your life, that you are what you repeatedly do. Like your financial picture is a direct reflection of what you've repeatedly done in your finances. Your relationships, good or bad, are the way they are as a result of what you've repeatedly done in your relationships, your professional life, and the the levels to which you've arrived professionally are a result of those things which you have done over and over. Good or bad, by the way. I'm not ascribing goodness or badness to it. I'm simply saying it is the result of what you've repeatedly done over and over over time. Are you with me? And you know what's interesting? Some of those things, we don't like the results, but we keep doing them anyway. Like, why is that? Why is it that we spend money and then get to the end of the month frustrated that that we didn't save? Like, why do we do that? Or why is it that we overeat? Why do we eat that donut or that dozen then wake up the next morning going, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that. And then you're like, well, you justify it by saying, well, yesterday was a cheat day. Yeah, but so was the day before that and the day before that. Come on, somebody, I've had cheat weeks. Anybody else? Like, why is it whenever we're a jerk towards someone or someone's a jerk towards us, why do we attack back and then later on regret the words that we said in the moment, like why do we do that? Why does it seem like some of our behaviors, some of our responses are on autopilot? And why do we continue those behaviors even though we regret them later on? See, I would propose to you that it's because every habit that you have, good or bad, on the back end of it, there is some reward that you get. There is some payout at the end of that habit. Now, whether or not you like that reward two or three days later is inconsequential. There was some feeling in the moment that you received that you, you ate that thing. You shouldn't have eaten because you planned to eat better, but eating it felt so good in the moment, right? All those sugars went through your body. You're on this sugar rush. You're like, mmm, it felt so good for a second, Or you went to the mall on payday because your money was burning a hole in your pocket. I'm like, I gotta buy stuff, and I'm gonna buy things that I don't need to impress people that I don't even really know. Then you get to the end of the month, and you have no margin. And because you have no margin, what happens? The water heater breaks, right? The, The car gets a flat tire. That's just the way that it works. So why do we do that? It's because there was some reward attached to that behavior. See, it works like this. All of us have a cue. Come on, say cue. We all have a cue. We have a cue that triggers a behavior, or we could use the word habit, and out of that habit comes a reward. Until the next time we hit the cue, again, that triggers a behavior or a habit, and then comes another reward. I'll tell you what one of my cues is. I love to watch March Madness, the NCAA basketball tournament. Of course, I was super bummed that it didn't happen this year. But I love it because of the competition. I love the fact that everyone gives like 110%. I love the the Cinderella stories, the universities and colleges that come out of nowhere and do well in the tournament. Uh, I don't know why I love it. I didn't watch basketball growing up. I certainly didn't play basketball because I really didn't understand why you would shoot a round ball into a hoop when you could put on pads and a helmet and hit somebody, come on. But I realized something about myself that March Madness was a cue for me, and it triggered a very specific behavior, and that behavior of March Madness triggered the fact that I wanted to go to Buffalo Wild Wings and eat wings like I had lost my ever-loving mind and drink about 75 glasses of Diet Mountain Dew because it's the only place that, that sells Diet Mountain Dew. I'm serious. I can't think about March Madness and not think about 15 to 20 boneless habanero Wings. I have this cue, and this is what happens inside of me. And the reward for me, I guess in the moment, is I feel great, right? It's a little heat, you know, so I sweat a little bit. Uh, It's a little bit sweet, and when I start to sweat from eating wings, I start to sweat like right here under my eyes. I know that's super weird. I should probably see a doctor about that. But it feels great in the moment. The endorphins are going, they're kicking in, but the next day, how many of you know, it's a different story. So because of that cue that I have, I have to have a predetermined response when March Madness comes around. Oh, I'm still going to Buffalo Wild Wings, but I'm only gonna get traditional dry rub wings. Come on, low carb and some water to drink, that's it, which is a much better behavior than before. But here's the deal, we all have different cues. For some of you, it's when you get paid. And your behavior is is to burn through that money as fast as you can because there's some reward attached to to buying something new. Or for others of you, it's whenever you get bad news. That could be a cue. And that bad news triggers an automatic behavior, and you spiral into this place of, of disappointment and disillusionment. You start to question, where is God? What's God doing in this? Maybe that's what you've been doing in this season. And all of a sudden, you want to to check out of your faith because bad news came your way. I wonder how many of you checked out of your faith in this season. We all have various cues. And we have to learn what our cue is for some of you. Your cue is when someone says something hurtful towards you or something biting towards you. Your automatic habit is to say something hurtful back. Because you feel like, yeah, I got them. I'm gonna gonna get you back. And that's a reward for you, even if, by the way, two or three days later, you go, man, why did I eat that? Why did I spend that? Why did I say that? Why did I do that? It's because there was a reward for it in the moment. And it's hard to break out of that pattern because what's the old saying? Old habits are hard to break. We don't break them because it's hard. John Maxwell says this, most of us have uphill dreams, but we have downhill habits. Like we, we dream about the life that God has for us, the life that God intended for us. We, we dream about perhaps the marriage that we want to have or or the business that we want to start. We dream about moving forward and advancing in our career. We dream about the kind of parent that we want to be. Or we dream about what we want to accomplish in school or athletics or whatever it is. We have all these uphill dreams, but we often have downhill habits. And write this down. You are what you repeatedly do, not what you repeatedly dream. And I submit that if we're gonna get better on the other side of this COVID lockdown, on the other side of this season, or on the other side of any pattern that you are stuck in in life, I submit you don't need new hope, you need a new habit. You don't need new plans, you need a new habit. You don't need a new strategy, you need a new habit because you are what you repeatedly do, you are not what you repeatedly dream dream about or think about, or even, I'm gonna mess some church people up, what you pray about. Because you can pray all day long for God to work in certain areas of your life, but if you are not willing to participate in that and do your part, come on, Jesus put mud on a blind man's eyes and said, go wash it off. What if he kept the mud on his eyes and said, please heal my eyes, please heal my eyes. I'm not gonna wash it off, just please heal my eyes. Never wash it off. He would still be blind, are you with me? We have to participate with it. So we have uphill dreams and we have downhill habits. Why is that, PC? Because it's hard, right? If it was easy, everybody would be doing it, but everybody's not doing it because it's not easy. How many of you know it's a whole lot easier to roll down a hill than it is to roll up a hill? It's not easy to have uphill habits in our life. It's not easy to day after day, to, to time after time, to continually move in the right direction. It's not easy, but I'm telling you, it's possible. Come on, that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. It's possible that you and I can become better on the other side of this. And that's not to say that you won't have days where you feel like you're going backwards, days where you feel like you're losing ground. I'm just saying you have to consistently move toward the direction of God for your life. And that happens as we consistently, over time, develop some habits. But here's what I think. We have mystified Christianity. And listen, it is mysterious, but it's not mystical. It's mysterious in the sense that there are some things about my faith that I look at and go, I don't understand that. I don't get that. God's word says that his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. In other words, he is is too much for me to contain within the finiteness of my intellect. And so it is mysterious, but it is not mystical. And I say that because some of us believe perhaps we can never reach our full potential or we can never have the, the life that God intends for us. And listen to me, if you are visiting Today, uh, you're new to, to church, you're new to Elevate, you're checking things out online. Jesus said this in John ten ten that I have come that you might have life and have it to the what? The full, that you can have a full life. Jesus, he didn't say I came to condemn you. I came to beat you up. I came to rain on your parade. No, he said I came to give you this full, complete life. And can I tell you something? he would not put that vision in front of you if you could not attain it, if you could not reach that. Like That would be like me dangling a cookie in front of my three-year-old knowing that he could never have it. He wouldn't do that. If God said it, you can do it. If God said that he has a plan to prosper you, then it is yours, it's available. So the life you want in God is available. I'll say it like this, I believe the other side and being better on the other side is attainable. And it's not for someone else, it's not for a super Christian, it's for you. Whoever you are, wherever you are watching from, he came that you would be fully alive. So it's not mystical, it is mysterious. And here's why I say that. I think some of us are waiting for a Holy Spirit voodoo to happen in our life. Like where one day, right? we're on this side, we're gonna be down here on this side, and then all of a sudden, the next day, we're gonna wake up on this side, right here. And we're all of a sudden now just living the life God has for us. We're like, oh, this is amazing. Holy Spirit voodoo, I'm finally on the other side. Now I'm full of joy, now I'm full of of peace, now I have direction in my life, now I understand my purpose and calling, this is amazing. It finally happened. I hate to break it to you, bro-chacho. It's not gonna happen like that, right? Sure, there are supernatural moments in Scripture where Jesus spoke a word, Lazarus, get up, and boom, it's immediate. But I found in my journey that those are few and far between, that it's more like this. It's little by little. Come on, step by step, day day after day of consistently pursuing Jesus over and over that I finally find myself at the place that God has for me to be. And I've also learned that once I get to that place, God will open my eyes to another other side. So again, it's day by day, is little by little, is step by step to get to the place that God has for us. But most of us don't do it. You know why? Because it's hard. Uh, Growing up, we would sing this song, Trust, and obey. You, you've saying that perhaps trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. If I could break down the Christian faith to you, it would simply be that old hymn. I've got to trust and then I've got to obey. I've got to trust God and then obey. As I'm moving towards all that God has for me, I'm gonna trust and then I'm gonna obey. And I'm gonna trust, are you with me? And then obey, and when I don't feel like it, I'm still gonna trust. And when I don't see God moving, I'm still gonna trust. When I I do see him moving, I'm gonna trust little by little. Come on, step by step, getting to the place that God has for me. Or or maybe trust and obey doesn't relate to you. Uh, How about some new kids on the block? It's more like, step by step, ooh baby. I'm gonna get to you, no I'm just kidding. But it's little by little, come on, step by step. And I've also found, many of us will go, all right, all right, right, pastor, I got it. Trust and obey, I'm gonna take that step. So here's what you do. You take that step, I'm gonna get to the other side. And then you're like, I thought I'd be on the other side by now. Because you took one step. In fact, people will say this to me and to our staff all the time. We'll give them some counsel on getting to the other side of of some issue or something that they have in their life. They'll say, yeah, yeah, I tried that. I took a step. I took one step, and it didn't work. I'm still on this side. Or, yeah, I want my marriage to be great, so I took a step. I took my wife out for one date night, and it didn't work. I'm, I'm telling the truth right now. We'll be like, it didn't work. Can I tell you something? What what was maybe broken apart, you know, took six years, is not going to be put back together in six minutes. You don't don't get ripped going to the gym for one day. Are you with me? You don't drop 40 pounds eating right for one day. You don't run a marathon because you ran one mile one day. You could fall and roll down a hill for a mile one day, right? You got to get some consistency. It's step by step. Day after day, are you with me? It's step by step, and if you're waiting on some Holy Spirit voodoo, you're gonna be waiting for a long time. In fact, here's what the Holy Spirit does. He'll say, hey, you wanna get to the other side? Well, I'm gonna give you the power to trust. I'm gonna give you the the strength to to obey. I'm not gonna transport you from this side to the other side without effort. It's gonna take some climbing. It's gonna take some work. It's gonna take some consistency to get to the place that God has for me. I'm getting tired of here. Get my steps in. There's a book called The Power of Habit. And it says that we can get to a place where we have automated willpower. In other words, you get to a place in life where you do something so much so often, it becomes automatic, it becomes muscle memory in your life. And you've experienced this, by the way. I'll give you a really simple example. Have you ever gotten off work and gotten into your car and you remember cranking it up and then the next thing you know, you arrive at home. And you're like, how did I get here? Did I run over somebody on the way? Did I give somebody sign language who, who cut me off? Did I have an Elevate sticker on my car. Which, by the way, you should get an Elevate sticker. Put it on your car. It will help you drive more godly, I promise. Has that ever happened to you? Like, like you get in the car and you're driving and you just kind of zone out for, for a couple miles and you're like, man, how did I get here? It's because you're on autopilot, Well, what if there were some things you could develop in your life that were so habitual? Not that you did them without thinking, but that your willpower was working for you instead of against you. I submit that you can get to a place where we are better on the other side if if you will do the work and do some uphill habits. You will get to a place right where your will will begin to work for you instead of against you so the next three weeks i hope to give you a new predetermined behavior that i'm only going to b-dubs and eat traditional dry rub desert heat probably and get some water right a predetermined behavior when you have a cue what is your predetermined behavior when life smacks you around what is your predetermined behavior to become all that God wants you to be in every area of, your, area of your life? What is your predetermined behavior that will help you be better on the other side? I'm gonna give you one today that will be the foundation for the next three weeks. And it's found in this verse. Matthew 6, says, but seek first. Come on, somebody say, seek first. Let's participate from wherever you are, in your living rooms, in your kitchens. Come on, say, seek first. Seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness. There's the the new behavior, right? Seek first, and here's the reward. And what does it say? All these things will be given to you as well. So seek first, new behavior, the reward. All these things will be given to you. Jesus, by the way, is talking to a group of people who are worried about all kinds of things, not unlike the things that we are worried about today. They're worried about food. They're worried about clothing, they're worried about drinks, they're worried about jobs, they're worried about everyday kinds of things. And he tells them, hey, I got you on that. Like don't worry about that, I'm going to take care of you. Your job is to seek first the kingdom of God. But how many of you know, we often reverse that order. And first we worry about all those things, and then we seek God when we don't have those things. Like in an emergency, we're like, dear God, I don't know what to do. I've tried everything else that that I can do. Now I gotta seek you. And God's like, listen, if you'll just seek me first, then I'll take care of those things. Get your eyes on the right thing and seek God first. So the behavior, seek God first. The reward, all these other things will be added to you if you seek first. If you wanna come out of this season better on the other side, you're gonna to have to learn to seek God first in your life. Not as a last resort, not as a last ditch effort or an afterthought, but first. Like my first big rock in my life. Come on somebody, how great was that Mother's Day message last week from my, my wife? How timely was it? My first big rock that's gotta go into my life is to seek God first. And I wanna give you three areas to seek God first in your life. Here's the first one, write it down. Seek God first in your day, in your day. The Bible says in Mark chapter one, verse 35, that very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. See, even Jesus had to get up early in the morning and seek God. Jesus being fully God, fully man, would get up early to seek God. How would your day be different? If you decided, I'm gonna seek God first in my day, how would it change your outlook? How would it shape your your perspective of the day? What if the cue was, I wake up, and the habit was, I seek God first? Come on. How would that change your day? Because we all have habits from the cue of waking up, do we not? Cue, wake up, habit, get coffee. That's me. Cue, alarm goes off, Habit, I hit the snooze button, right? Q, alarm goes off again. Habit, I hit snooze again, right? We already have patterns of behavior from the cue of waking up. What if you were to create a new one? How would it change your day if you decided, I'm gonna get up and sometime in that time, I'm gonna seek God first? And listen, I know you gotta get ready for work. I know you got to get the kids ready for Zoom calls and, and homework. You might not be packing lunches right now, but you are their personal Zoom call assistant, making sure right, that they're online when they need to be and doing their homework. I know that students, some of you, you know, you got schoolwork to do, reading and math, and I know you waited until Friday, and you put it off, and now you're trying to get it all finished in the last minute. I get all that, but somewhere in the beginning of the day, you need to determine you're going to seek God first, it will help you get better on the other side. And I'm not proposing that you have to make it complicated. I'll give you a little 15 minute thing. But Colby, I don't don't have 15 minutes. Well, get up 15 minutes earlier. Stop hitting snooze three times, that's 20 minutes right there. Some of you are like, I'd rather serve in Africa than to have to get up 15 minutes earlier. Listen, 15 minutes, check this out. Five minutes in worship, just turn on a song. Find a, a worship song that ministers to your heart, that speaks to you. Five minutes in worship, then five minutes in prayer. Like, maybe just start there. You, you'd say, but I don't know where to start. I, I don't know what to pray for except when I need something. Listen, here's what I would say. Start with gratitude. That's, that's it. Listen, gratitude will flip the script on your day. If you will wake up and go, God, thank you that you woke me up. Thank you that you gave breath to my lungs. Thank you that I'm I'm able to go to school today, even from home. And I'm not necessarily excited about it, but thank you that I have the opportunity to learn, the opportunity to prepare for my future. God, just thank you that I got a job. Thank you for my, my family today. You know what I think? Here's what I think. You'll find that five minutes isn't even enough time once you get that conversation going. So five minutes in worship, five minutes in in prayer, and then five minutes in the Word. Like five minutes, just open up your Bible and spend five minutes reflecting on, maybe it's just the verse of the day, in your version. Or if you don't know where to start, I always say start with the Gospel of John. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go to the middle of your Bible, open it up, turn uh, to the right till you get to the New Testament, and then go over four books. And I would say before you read, the last thing you should pray in your prayer time is God would you speak to me through your word today? And I believe that he will. 1 John 5, 14 says this, that if you pray anything according to his will, he hears you. And it's his will that you would hear from God. And so you're praying according to his will when you say, God, speak to me. I want to hear from you today. So open the Bible for five minutes. And listen, don't try to marathon Read right don't try to wake up and say all right i'm going to i'm going to read through the, the entire you know psalms today don't do that just read a little bit consistently a verse or two day after day let it speak to your heart so that's it 15 minutes 5 in worship 5 in prayer and 5 in the word i believe it will change your day so our cue i wake up i get out of bed my habit i'm going to seek god first in my day are you with me and can I tell you something? You will not get better on the other side if you stay the same on this side. like Or worse, if you allow this season to develop negative habits in your life. Here's the second thing. Seek God first in your direction, write that down. In your direction. We all need direction. I need direction. I need a lot of direction in this season. I need wisdom in this season. If you don't need direction in your life, your life is boring. Right, because you don't have any choices to make. You have no options in life. Listen, we all need direction. And Proverbs sixteen nine says that in his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Listen, making plans is not a bad thing. The Bible is not against planning, but the wisest man who ever walked the earth next to Jesus, King Solomon says God determines those steps. And I would say if you look back over your life, and you look back over your shoulder, you could probably see the way God has determined some of those steps in your life. That that door that was closed that you wish had been opened at the time, or maybe that no that you received when you wanted it to be a yes and how God directed your steps in that season. You know what I love about the Bible? God's not just concerned about your big decisions. Like who do you marry or where do you go to college or what job you know, do you pursue or do you buy that house or not buy that house? It says that man plans his ways, but God determines all his steps, not just big steps, that God is concerned about all of them. So God wants us to pause long enough to say, all right, God, I know I wanna be financially free on the other side of this thing. So, so God, do I make that expenditure or not make that expenditure? What is that next step? Is that a wise use of my money or not a wise use of my money? He cares about the little steps. Yes, he wants to get you to the other side, but he also knows the best little steps it takes to get you there. Are you with me? God, is that a friendship that that I should have, you know, or is that a a friendship that I shouldn't be involved in? He cares about the little steps. God, is that a conversation that should take place? Should I say that or should I bite my tongue this time? Come on, parents. Uh, Come on, husbands. I'm trying to save you a fight. Maybe you should bite your tongue. Like, God cares about the little steps, not just the big, giant leaps. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Can I tell you something? If God has a plan for your life, it's a good plan. It's a good direction for your life. So why would you not want to know his plan and his direction for your life? Seek God first in your direction. James 1.5 says that if, if any of you lack wisdom, ask God for it, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. That's been my prayer in this season. God, I need wisdom. Your word tells me if I ask for it, you will give it to me. So God, I'm asking you to pour it out on me. Give me wisdom. Let me ask you this. How many heartaches have you experienced that you could have avoided if you had just stopped and went, God, I need your direction. God, give me wisdom. Is this the right relationship for me or not? Do I go to the right or do I go to the left? You you tell me How would it change your life if the cue was, I have a decision to make, and the habit was immediately, God, what do you want me to do? Seek God first in your direction. And here's the last one. Hopefully, you're still with me. Seek God first in your disappointments, in your disappointments, because the reality of life is that we're all going to face disappointments. In fact, if you've lived any amount of life, you know that. We probably couldn't build a building big enough for people or, or build a new campus fast enough if I could convince people that becoming a follower of Jesus means that everything is gonna be rainbows and roses and you're never gonna have any issues but you know that that's not true. That you're gonna have days when things are hard. When viruses attack, right, and change life as we know it, where fear moves to confusion and into cynicism and maybe into anxiety and into depression even. I've had people ask me on Instagram about suicide and and what God's view of that is in this season. This is the reality of the world that we are living in. And sure, we, we flatten the curve in one area, but how many other curves have increased as a result? Job loss. Financial loss, isolation, depression, abuse in the home is on the rise. Like, so we're gonna face some bad days. That's what I'm trying to say. Days when people walk out on you that you thought would never walk out on you. Days when your, your children make decisions that break your heart. You're gonna have those days of great disappointment in your life. And when they come, when the cue of disappointment comes, you have a decision to make on the behavior that you're gonna respond with. And you can decide that you're gonna respond with disillusionment, with depression, or even disconnect from people, or you can decide that the only way to get better on the other side is to seek God first in my disappointment. And I'm not saying you have to understand it, I'm not saying that it will be easy or that you'll like it, but God, I'm gonna seek you first in my disappointments. Isaiah 41.10 says this, So do not fear, for I am with you. Let me just remind somebody today that God is with you. Even in this season, in your disappointment, he is with you. It goes on to say, do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you. Is anybody in need of help? Well, God says, I'll help you, and I will uphold you with my righteousness. Right hand. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 say, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. So what are you going to do on your days of disappointment? I would say this. Seek God first. Uh, King David was a king in the Old Testament uh, of Israel. And one day he goes out to battle with his men to recapture the ark of the covenant, and return it to its rightful place in Jerusalem. The ark was this very treasured piece of furniture. That kept, uh, they kept it in the temple, really, and the Holy of Holies in the temple, and it represented the presence of God, and it housed some of the sacred artifacts that were very special to the children of Israel. Anyway, someone had swiped it, and David recovered it from them, and he's coming back into the the city, and they're celebrating because they've recovered the ark, they're celebrating like you've never seen, they're worshiping, they're partying, in fact, so much so that David's wife says to him, David, you're acting a fool right now. In the original Hebrew, that's what it says, you are acting a fool. And David says to her, girl, I'll become even more undignified than this, you ain't seen nothing yet, like he was so pumped of that thing he was able to do for God, to bring the ark back to this city, and then he returns the ark to the tabernacle, which was a portable tent at the time, and he goes home to his palace, and as he does that, he's talking with Nathan the prophet, who is the man of God in this day, and he says, Nathan, why should the ark of the covenant, the, the presence of God, reside in a tent when I sit in this palace made of cedar? He had built this beautiful home. You can read about it in First Chronicles 17. And Nathan said to David, do what's on your mind because God is with you. What was on his mind was to build God a house, a a temple for God. The problem was it was on David's mind, but it wasn't on God's heart. And so long story short, Nathan went home to his house. That night in his sleep, he had a vision from God. God told him, hey, David's not going to be the guy. David is not going to build a house for me. There's too much blood on his hands. He's a warrior But his son, Solomon, he's going to build my house. And so Nathan goes back to David to deliver the news. Hey, Dave, God says no. Here's why I tell you that. One day, David is celebrating. David is partying. He's saying, I'll become even more undignified than this for, for my God. He's so excited about what he's been able to do. The very next day, God is saying, no, you can't do what's on your mind to do. A great day of celebration followed by an even greater day of disappointment. I wonder if you've ever been there. I wonder if it ever feels like in those moments where you're riding high that, that something or someone just comes to, to cut the legs out from underneath you. But it's what David did in this moment of disappointment that is so powerful. 1 Chronicles seventeen sixteen says, Then David went in and he sat before the lord can i tell you something sometimes in your moments of disappointment there's nothing you need to do other than just sit before the lord because it will do something to you it will give you some perspective that maybe you you did not have because it goes on to say that he sat before the lord and he said this who am i god like who am i god that 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 what is my family that you've brought me this far? Who am I? Don't miss this. David, he didn't sit before the Lord and get angry and go, God, why aren't you letting me do this? Like, this is a good thing. I want to build a a house for you. This is what I want to do. He didn't sit before God and go, God, why? This is disappointing. No, he sat before the Lord and he got perspective and he said, God, who am I? that you've brought me this far. God, who am I that you've done this thing in my life? See, here's what David was saying. God, I was a shepherd boy. I was the the least in my family. I was out watching sheep. I wasn't groomed for this job as a king. I didn't have the pedigree to be a king. Who am I that you would even use me? Who am I that you would even bring me this far? And I think on your days of disappointment, no matter how great the disappointment is, if you'll just sit before God, God will give you some perspective, and you'll be able to say, like David said, "God, who am I that you would bring me this far?" Because you might not be where you want to be, but you are certainly not where you used to be. And even in your disappointments, if you will just sit before God, you might not be everything that you want to be. You might not have all that you want to have in this season. But I think if we're gonna be better on the other side of our disappointments in life, it's going to require us to sit before the Lord on this side. For some of us today, you just need to get alone. You need to find a quiet place in your disappointment, in your sadness. And you just need to sit before God. And you need to get some perspective of all the ways God has shown up in your life over and over again. Who am I? And here's what I want to tell you. That same grace that brought you from where you were to where you are today is the same grace that's going to take you from this side. Come on to this side. And in order to get better on the other side, we need to form some habits on this side saying, I'm going to seek God first in my day. I'm going to seek God first in my, my direction. I'm going to seek God first whenever I'm disappointed that my, my cue is disappointment. My habit is I'm going to you, God. And I promise you, if you'll do that, you will become better on the other side. Would you bow your head wherever you are? Maybe there's a ton of distractions going on around you right now. Maybe the kids are running around the house. Maybe you're meeting in a parking lot together and cars are are whizzing by, but this could be a holy space, a holy moment. This could be holy ground if you allow God to speak directly to you, if you try to remove those distractions from your heart. And maybe just in the quietness of, of your mind and your heart, if you just say, God, I commit to seeking you first, seeking you first in my day. I'm gonna get up early. I'm gonna get in your word. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna show you that I'm grateful for the very breath that I breathe. I'm gonna seek God. I'm gonna seek you first in my direction because we all have decisions that we have to make. Even today, you have decisions. And God is not just concerned about the big giant decisions, but also about the little ones as well. So seek God first in your direction. And then when you're disappointed, if that's where you are today, if you will just sit before the Lord and gain some perspective of all the ways that he's been faithful and come through for you and shown you grace in your life, you might just today say, who am I, God, that you would have brought me this, this fall? Maybe there are some of you today that you're watching, you're not a follower of Jesus, and you've not yet received that free gift of grace, and you should know it's free. You don't have to earn it, you don't have to do anything to receive it, other than recognize the fact that apart from God, we're lost, that we can't do this on our own, that God sent his son, Jesus, to bridge the gap between us and him. And the way he bridged it was through his death on the cross, dying for the sins of the world, past, present, and future. And maybe you've never received that sacrifice. And today's your day to do that, this free gift of grace and mercy so that you can be set free, so that you can begin this new life in Christ because God does have a great life for you. He has great plans for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. He wants you to live a full life, but it begins when we surrender our life to him. And if that's you today, let me give you some language to help you do that. You can just bow your head. Wherever you are, you can you can repeat these words if you like. You can you can speak God uh, words to God in your heart. The most important thing is that you believe. It. Just say something like this: Jesus, today I give you my life. I don't want to do this apart from you. I need your grace to fill me, to strengthen me. I need your your grace to cover my sins. And so I believe that you died on the cross. Just tell him that I believe you died for my sins so I could be free. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, I celebrate with you today.
0: Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations, welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There'll be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.